that was so funny. When that uh, deep thoughts from a shallow Christian video ended, there's a little girl right behind me going, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> Finally, a video that makes sense in this church. That was awesome. Oh, man. We're doing a series on parenting, and we're looking at seven things that all our children need from their parents. <clears throat> and I know, guys, that we are in a day and an age when that family of the mom and the dad and the 3.2 children <laughs> um, doesn't exist in a lot of cases. There are a lot of homes with, without one parent or the other. A lot of times grandparents are, are bringing up the children. Well, I understand that. One of the things that we need to keep in mind as we think of all the different settings in the homes is that whoever is that person who serves in that parental role, this message is for you. Whether you're the actual parent or you're someone who stepped in to fill a gap, these um, principles apply to the children that you are loving and caring for and ministering to. We call this sermon series Blink because our children grow up so fast. They're born, we blink our eyes, they're in kindergarten, we blink our eyes, they're in middle school, we blink our eyes, they're in college. They grow up so very fast. Let's look in the Bible in Psalm 127. And we have been reading uh, this uh, passage verses 1 through 5 through this whole series. So today, what I'm going to do, since I've already read it several times to you, we're just going to kind of vote, focus in on verse 3 that says, Don't you see that children are God's best gift? Don't you see that children are God's best gift? They're the fruit of the womb of uh, his generosity or his generous legacy. Uh, down in verse 5, and this is not up on the screen, but I love the first part of verse 5 where it says, Oh, how blessed are you parents. One of the things that we need to remember before we go into these seven things is that your heavenly Father, if you've received Christ as your personal Savior, then God is your Father. You are his child, and he's already giving you these seven things. He's already providing them for you. Keep that in mind through this message. Also keep in mind that not only do your children need these seven things, but really everybody in your life needs them. Your wife needs them from you. Your husband needs these seven things from you. Your uh, people you go to school with, people you work with, your neighbor your family, your friends need this from you. So let's look at these things uh, today in a little bit more detail. We talked about the fact that kids need compassion. And we said that the best way to show compassion, which is that unmerited love, undeserved love, the best way to show that is through affirmation, saying to them that we love them, affection, showing them that we love them, and um, attention, which was listening, listening to our children. These are the ways we show our love by speaking that love to them, by touching them, showing affection, and by listening to them when they want to talk to us. Number two, we talked about last week, kids need counsel. 
Uh, it is not in the heart of a child to know the way he should go. Uh, children need direction from their parents. They need advice. They need wisdom. Deuteronomy 6 and 7 says you must teach these commandments, which uh, doesn't mean the Ten Commandments. It does mean that, but it means far more than that. It means the Word of God, the infallible and errant Word of God, that you're to teach that to your children and talk about them, talk about these commandments, the Word of God. When you're at home or out for a walk or at bedtime, first thing in the morning, and what that means is you are to seize every opportunity to talk to your children about God. So what are we going to talk about today? You're going to love today. You've been waiting for this one. We're going to talk about correction. Don't get really happy about that. Act like you're, you know, concerned instead of really happy. Uh, kids need correction, don't they? They need correction because they make mistakes. There are no perfect children. There are no perfect children. They need discipline. They need accountability. They need training. Hebrews tells us that the Lord disciplines those he loves. Now, when he talks about that, he's actually talking about him being our father and us being disciplined by him. Did you know that the, that the Lord doesn't discipline the devil's kids? He just, he just disciplines his kids. That's why sometimes it looks like people who aren't in church and aren't serving God and and don't love the Bible and don't love the things of God. That's why it looks like sometimes that they are getting along better than we are. And so we look at them and we go, what's up with that? I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to go to church. I'm paying my tithes. I'm serving in the church. I'm volunteering. Everything I touch seems to break. Everything the guy down the street touches who doesn't love God, doesn't love the Bible, doesn't love the church, actually speaks against it. Everything he touches turns to gold. There is a whole chapter in the Bible that deals with this topic, and it is Psalm 73, and don't you dare go there because I love preaching on that chapter, and you're going to make me preach too long if you go there. But this guy in 73 is having this problem. He's saying everything I touch breaks, everything the guy down the road who hates God, seems to hate God, everything he touches turns to gold, what's up? And he really gets mad at God. And he really, in the first 16 verses, just really kind of lets it all out and kind of chews God out and says this isn't fair. But then in verse 17 of Psalm 73, he goes into the presence of God. How many of you know when you're out of the presence of God, you're confused? When you come into the presence of God, you get understanding. And that's exactly what happened. And then when he came into the presence of God, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says he saw his end, and he saw that guy's end, and he liked the way his life was going to end up a lot better than the way that guy's life ends up. Y'all with me out there? You see, we're on a pay-as-you-go plan. You, you heard that commercial? You can pay me now or pay me later. We're on a pay-as-you-go plan. So God is, is working in our life and, and bringing discipline and correction into our life to keep us on the straight and narrow so that when he returns, we're ready. But the guy who hasn't received Christ, he's not one of his children. And so God doesn't discipline the, the devil's kids. 
If my wife is, uh, when my boys were little, she's washing dishes and looking out the back window. And when Brandon and Mitch were little, and there are three little boys out there throwing rocks and breaking windows, she's going to bring two boys in and discipline them. Which two? Her two. Now, y'all remember back in the day when anybody within a five-mile radius of your house could spank you anytime they wanted to? My daddy'd hear about people spanking me and be glad to hear it. <laughs> Thrilled to hear it. Well, it's a new day. You can't do that anymore. But um, um, so, so don't get confused as a Christian in this world. When you look around and things in your life don't seem to be going as well as the guy who doesn't even go to church, doesn't even love God, you're on a pay as you go. He's going to pay in the end. Now, we want to pray for him that he will come to Christ and not pay in the end. Isn't that right? But that's how the system is set up. So the Lord disciplines those he loves. He disciplines those who are his children. It goes on in Hebrews to say that if you're not being disciplined, it doesn't mean that you're doing everything right. It actually means you're not a child of God. It means you're not a Christian. It says all of God's children endure chastening. All of them endure discipline, okay? So when God's disciplining you, that is a very good sign. That is a sign that you are one of his children. So if you love somebody, you're going to care enough to correct them. Proverbs 13, 24, if you refuse to discipline your child, it proves you don't love them. Well, he said that. God's saying this, not, you know, don't get mad at me. I'm just the mailman. I'm just bringing you some mail this morning. Proverbs 19, 18, correct your children while there's still hope. That means while they're young, while they're tender. Don't wait, it says. Don't let them destroy themselves. Don't wait until, you know, they, they're destroying themselves and you go, okay, I'm going to draw a line in this house. No, no, no. You need to draw that line early. Set those core values early. Set those standards in your home early. And the people said, since they didn't say it on their own, pastor asked for it. The verse is saying, this verse is saying this. Parents, you get a hold of this right here. This, this convicted me. If you don't correct your children, you're setting them up to fail in life. If you don't bring discipline in your child's life, you're setting them up to fail. I love these parents. Well, he's just a free spirit. We just want his creative juices to just flow. And he's a free spirit. <clears throat> mm. Might need to lay hands on that free, free spirit. <laughs> See, children, how many of us were children? All of us. So children... When they're born, they are born drawn toward developing habits that will ruin their life. Children aren't born into the world being drawn toward habits that make them the best person they can be. They're drawn toward habits. I mean, they're just naturally, what have I told y'all? The flow, the current of this world is going in the wrong direction. Matter of fact, there are three currents. There is the current of, of the world system that is very self-centered. You, you, we live in a world that says take care of number one no matter who you have to hurt or step on. So they're born into that world. 
And then there's Satan himself who's luring them and, and, and enticing them and, and uh, 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 bringing temptation into their life all the time. So there's that pull. And then there's the nature they were born with. We're born with a nature that isn't toward God. We're born with a nature, Hosea said, that's bent toward evil. So kids need godly moms and dads to step in. Now, if you men out there who don't know Jesus Christ have been waiting for a reason to get saved, right there is a reason. For the sake of your children. For the sake of your children. You men who are going, I don't know, like a bunch of hypocrites out there at the church. Really? Call 2020. There's always been hypocrites in the church. There always will be hypocrites in the church. Will you give that one a rest? You, when you give your heart to God, there are going to be days you're a hypocrite. Now, y'all about to really say amen now because... I'm about to tell y'all, sometimes I'm the hypocrite. Sometimes I'm a hypocrite. Sometimes I don't walk out what I preach. I don't walk it out. I struggle. How many of you struggle? Does anybody here doesn't struggle? Everybody does struggle. Raise your hand. We all struggle. We're a work in progress. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. <laughs> Took him just a week to make the moon and stars. <laughs> He's still what? Working on me. I'm a work in progress. None of us are perfect. So you daddies out there, if you just get over yourself and your child needs a godly dad. Your child needs a godly mom. You need to quit messing around and give your heart to God for the sake of your child. Amen, amen, amen. That's good preaching right there. The children need parents to step in and correct them. This is not the three points of the sermon, but it is three points I want you to jot down. There are three ways the Bible says we ought to correct our children. Three ways. Quickly. Amen. I'm telling you, if you do that one more time, one more time, and your child's going over there going, you're such a liar. Because you said, you said one more time 50 times, and you hadn't done jack. The Bible says correct them quickly. Make their heads spin. Now, y'all think I'm talking physical corporal punishment here. And I am. <laughs> but not always, not always, not always. Sometimes, sometimes other forms of punishment are more impactful than, than a spanking. I remember Mitch, when he was little, we'd tell him, if you do that right there, if you do that, I'm telling you right now, but you do that right there, you're going to get a spanking. And I've watched him go, it could be worth it. I'm going to do it, take the heat, but I want to do this bad enough. You know what I'm saying? So do it quickly. Don't keep promising. I've, some of you parents... Your kid doesn't believe you a bit more because you never do anything. Do it calmly. You know, right before you do it, go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> sparingly. Do it sparingly. Let, let me just say this. Now, I know I sound old school. And all, 
But I'm going to tell you something. If my mom and dad had not disciplined me quickly and calmly and sparingly, I'm going to tell you something right now. I wouldn't be your pastor this morning. I wouldn't even be serving God. So the reason I preach this, and it, it may sting a little bit because I know y'all been reading Dr. Spock. He should have just stayed on the enterprise. <clears throat> So I'm going to beam him up. <laughs> Quickly, calmly, sparingly. Here's what I mean by sparingly. If you discipline a child the way you ought to, you won't have to do it much. You won't have to do it much. You can just go. <laughs> Your children need to know you mean business. Your children need to know that, that there's going to be repercussion to breaking the rules. Amen, amen. There's a difference in punishment and discipline. Let me tell you that difference. Parents, you're to treat your children the way God treats us. If you're a Christian, you're a child of God, you've trusted God and received Christ as your personal Savior. When you sin as a Christian, when you sin as a Christian, I didn't say if. I said, what? When? When you sin as a Christian, God doesn't punish you. He doesn't punish you. So, well, it sure feels like it. It's not, though. Your sins were punished at Calvary. What God does is discipline you. He disciplines you. you God doesn't have to punish you because Jesus took that punishment. Here's the difference between punishment and discipline. Listen. The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. The focus of punishment is on the past, what you've done wrong. The focus of discipline, which is what you ought to be doing with your children, is on the future, what you want your child to be. So when you bring discipline and you bring correction into your child's life, look at them and say, I can't tolerate that behavior because if I tolerate it, you won't be the man of God I want you to be. You won't be the woman of God I want you to be. So I can't tolerate that in you. Are y'all with me out there? The attitude of punishment is anger, wrath, I'm going to be uh, starting a series on the last days two weeks from today. And all through the summer, we're going to talk about the end times. Um, we're going to study the wrath of God. A lot of churches don't preach on that or talk about that anymore. How many of y'all know there's a, a part of God that, it, that is his wrath? Amen, amen. His anger. And the tribulation period and all of that deals with the wrath of God. The attitude behind punishment is anger. The attitude behind discipline is love. You're saying to your child, I'm going to correct you because I want to help you go the right way. I want, you to, I want to help you become the kind of person who's going to be successful in life, primarily spiritually. But studies have proved over and over and over again that if you, uh, that if you bring children up with core values, stable core values that are biblically based, not only are they successful spiritually, but they're successful in every other way. So if you really love your children, care about them, you're going to bring them up with some rules and you're going to enforce those rules. 
When you correct your child in anger, you're going to bring resentment in their life. And, and I could preach on that for so long right here. Kids know when you're taking something out on them that doesn't have anything to do with them. They know. And, and, and when you do that, over a long period of time, you build up resentment in that child. Now, I've done it as a father, and you've done that. You've gotten frustrated at work and brought it home and took it out on the kids. Let me tell you what you need to do. Because when you do that, you wound the heart of that child. You wound them. But you can heal them just like that by walking in and humbling yourself and saying, Daddy made a mistake. Mom made a mistake. Now, you needed correction there. But I didn't correct you the way I should have, and I made a mistake. And when you say that, and when you cry with them, and you make that apology to them, I'm telling you right now, it heals that little heart. It heals that heart. But if you continue to do that, and you're too prideful to ever say to your child that you apologize, then your child will grow up wounded, resentful, um, Low esteem, we'll talk about that in a minute. So ask yourself, am I doing this in anger? Because when you discipline looking to the future, when you don't, see, when you discipline looking at what they just did, I mean, you get innovative and creative in how to punish. Amen, amen? So you got to look away from the thing they did, and you've got to look to the future and say, I'm going to bring this correction in their life, not because of what they did, but because of what I want them to be. When you look at your child, do you see the cup half full, or do you see the cup empty, half empty? It's important how you view your child. Are you retaliating? Are you, are you frustrated and now you're taking that frustration out on them? Are you letting off some steam? It's important. It's important how you do that. Parents need to correct without condemning and they need to discipline without destroying. Number four, kids need confidence. Children need confidence. I'm not talking about arrogance or pride Confidence has nothing to do with arrogance. You, you need to teach them who they are in Christ. Help them understand who they are in Christ. Jesus was very meek, but meekness don't mean weakness. Okay? Confidence. Life is tougher on kids today than I believe it's ever been before. You say, oh, no, they don't, they don't have it tough. I used to have to get up at six. I'm not talking about that kind of tough. I'm talking about society tough. There are more pressures on kids today than there ever have been. I'm telling you, kids come to me, Facebook me, email me, talk to me about things and issues that they're dealing with at 12 and 13 years old that I didn't even know about till I was 18 and 19 years old. There's pressure on kids to do things even before they're teenagers that I didn't feel that pressure till I was almost in college. And your kids need you. 
Your kids need to be able to come home to a mom and dad who can talk and who can sit down and who can say, I want to listen to you. I want to hear what you're going through. If they come home and, and, and you're always, you know, aggravated, and down here in the south we say ill, we know up north that means you're sick. Down here it means you're just ticked off. We're trying to help you. We're going to come out with a little book. It's got definitions in it. But your child needs to go. You don't know what they've been offered that day. You don't know what their friends have mocked them because they won't do something they learned at Impact Girls Club they ought not to do. So they go home and they can't take a stand. I'm not going to do that because my Impact Girls Club teacher taught me that's wrong. So all these other kids go, what a loser. You're such a loser. You're such a do-gooder. You're, you Christians, you, they go through that at school because of what's taught here, and then they come home. Let me ask you something. Is there any support there at the house when they get home? Can they come home and cry and say, I was mocked and made fun of today because I took a stand because of what I learned at church? Can they talk to you, Mom? Can they talk to you, Dad? Your children need you to serve God. They need you, Mom and Dad, to serve God. They can't always talk to their impact teacher. They can't always talk to Pastor Farrell. They, cannot, they need mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, somebody. Pressures and stress and pace and value systems and expectations. These factors are far greater than they were just a generation ago. And with every generation, these pressures increase and get bigger and bigger. And our world is tough on the self-esteem of our kids. A test was done, a research um, test was done, and they found that 85% of all third graders had a healthy self-esteem. 85% of all third graders. And this, uh, this research was actually done several years ago. They found that by the time they were junior high, in junior high, that their self-esteem dropped so that only 65% of the kids had a healthy self-esteem. By the time they reached high school graduation, only 5% had a healthy self-esteem. Today's society belittles righteous living. Today's society criticizes and mocks and tears down anyone who has core values based on the scriptures. And they, those kids who we teach that stuff, and then they go out and face this, they need to be able to come home to a mom and dad who's going to support them. Here's what happens. When a child hears from the world you're a loser, you're, you're a do-gooder, you're not going to fit in our group, and they get isolated because they practice the things they learn at church, and then there's no parental support when they get home. Here's what they do. They lower their values. Those kids lower their values because they want to be accepted by somebody. They, they, they gotta, they, I mean, it's in us to be loved. It's in us to have community. That's why we have small groups here at the church. It's in us a desire to have community with other people, and our kids are like that. God put it in us. So they begin to lower their values, and they begin to lower their moral standards, and they start developing a sense of guilt in their life at a very early age. Studies show that more kids lose their virginity on prom night 
than any other day of the year. I heard something that broke my heart. In our own community, right here where we live, and thank God these parents, um, well, I start to say thank God they're not in our church, but they really need to be in our church. But these parents got their kids a hotel room on prom night. What in the world? I, you know, one day God's going to go, what, 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 what were you thinking? Am I preaching too old school? Is anybody out there with me this, today? Uh, I mean, I believe God's going to go, why in the world did you do that? You know, I believe God's going to ask, why did you let your child go to that event? Why, why, did you, why did you let your child go to that movie? Why did you rent that movie and bring it in your house? You say, oh, he's preaching on movies. No, I'm, I'm not going to preach on movies anymore. Now I'm going to preach on TV. Because there's stuff on TV you need to turn off. A lot of stuff. Cornell University, a liberal arts, liberal politically, liberal socially university came up with this. <laughs> not a conservative, but a liberal Here's what they came up with after doing research. America's families and their children are in trouble so deep and so pervasive as to threaten the future of our nation. The source of the trouble is nothing less than a neglect, a national neglect of children. And those, also neglect of those primarily engaged in their care. And who is that? The American parent. Our national rhetoric about family values has had no effect. The actual patterns of life in America today are such that children and families come last on our schedule. You know, when they do these uh, polls and they ask people what are the most important issues facing us today, you know, it's the economy, war, you know, all this other, and, and right down at the bottom, 5%, 3% family stuff. That ought to be at the top. See, if we can get our houses straight, if we can get our homes straight, if we can get our homes lined up with God, it'll turn the whole country around. It'll turn the whole, it'll turn the economy around. It'll turn everything around. So parents, it's really important that we, that we teach our children who they are in Christ. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 3.21, and I'm, I'm done here. Don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. See, you're killing their self-esteem when, when, when that's happening. And then there are unpleasable parents. Are you an unpleasable parent? So easy to look at the negative in our kids. Again, how do you see your child? When you look at your child, do you see the cup half full or do you see it half empty? They get C's, you want B's. They get B's, you want A's. They get A's, you want straight A's. And Paul says in this verse that if you... If, it, if nothing's ever good enough, no matter how well they do, if nothing's ever good enough, he says, you will cause your child to just give up. Unpleasable parents produce insecure children. So how do we raise confident kids? Let me just close. This is a really good sign for y'all right here. 
For every one criticism you give your child, you ought to give 10 praises. Here's why. You say, oh, Lord, he's going to get into that. We just got to tell him all the good stuff. Here's why you need to give. When you're going to criticize, instead of giving one criticism, uh, instead of, um, you know, always criticizing, you need to give 10 praises. Now, here's what a lot of parents believe, and I'm going to shoot this down, so don't get real happy about this. A lot of parents say, okay, if I'm going to give five criticisms, I'll give five praises. I'll just balance it out. That's not balance. That's not balance. If somebody here today walked up to you and said, that is the prettiest dress, that's the most beautiful dress I've ever seen. I mean, like 50 people walked up to you and said that to you. You look so good. But one person walked up and said, what in the world is going on with that outfit? You know what you'd remember? Amen? I'm like that. If you guys come up after service and go, that's one of the best sermons I've ever heard on parenting. And by the way, I'm looking for some of that after this service. <laughs> and one person comes up and says, that's ludicrous. It makes no sense. You, I don't even understand what you were talking about. What do you think I'm going to remember all day? Is that comment. So when you say one bad thing to your child that they're not doing right, and then you turn around and say one good thing, that's not balance. Listen, you've got to give them five things before, then bring out that thing they need to change, and then five more things after. I'm not kidding you. Because our self-esteem, the self-esteem of your child, let me tell you where they get it. They get it from you, mom and dad. They get it from you. They get it from you. They, look, they can put up with just about any kind of rejection if they know when I get home, my mom and daddy's going to love me by touching me and telling me and listening to me. Amen, amen. Father, thank you for the word today. It convicts my heart. My boys are grown, but as I've studied and prepared this message, it has brought much conviction to my heart. And my boys know I've apologized to them many times for my failures as a father. So I stand before my congregation today admitting I'm not a perfect father by any stretch of the imagination. But God, I want to be. I want to be better. Even though they're 30 and 28 years old, I still, they still look to me. They still want to know, Daddy, what do you think? And, and it's just like our sermon says, it's never too late to start shaping your kids. But God, it begins with me being a man of God myself. And God, I just believe there are some men here today who they want their children to grow up healthy, but they won't give their heart to God. There are some women here today who they want their children to grow up healthy, but they need to be a woman of God. So right now, if there's someone here, a mom, a dad, anybody, and you don't know Christ, I'm telling you the first step to helping your child is stop running from God. Stop running from God and stop in your tracks and quit those excuses and those little, those little um, things you come up with that you say about the hypocrite. Just forget that and just say, Jesus, for the sake of my son, for the sake of my daughter, I'm going to stop running and I receive you today as my personal Savior. I want to be able to give my child what they need, my wife, my husband. I want to be able to give my friends, the people I work with, my family, 
I want to be able to give them what they need, Lord, and I can only do that if I know you and you're in my heart. So forgive me of my sins today, Lord. I offer my heart that you might forgive and wash me with your precious blood and make me clean before you and I invite you into my life. Say that to him right now. Just say it right there with your head bowed. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life, Jesus. I receive you. I receive you as my Savior this day. No more running, no more excuses. I accept you, God. I accept you. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Come in my life. And when you pray that and believe it, he will come in and you will be adopted into his family. You'll become a child of God. And now he can infuse into you the power and the wisdom and the strength. You need to be the parent the person he wants you to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you walked in this building today and you didn't know exactly where you were with God, but you've made a commitment to him today to serve him and you're going to walk out with a renewed confidence that God has heard you and he's in your heart, would you just raise your hand and say, I just asked Jesus to take over my life. Just put it up, put it right back down. Just slip your hand up, slip it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. Everybody look up. Our children need us, but we can never be what we ought to be until we know him. And the people said? Those of you who are first-timers, pick up your gift on the way out. Guys, so glad to have you today. God bless you. See you next Sunday, I hope.